Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? Because I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. Curtains for you, Miss Drew. Nancy. Nancy Drew strikes again. A regular Nancy Drew. Drews. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to episode 73. Um, we are here today to discuss another Nancy Drew file, number 11, Heart of Danger. Dun-dun! <laughs> Dun-dun! How is it that the files just keep getting better and better? I don't know. They're I so know. good. Okay, I will say, so I really liked this one. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. I didn't love it. That's okay. I, I, yeah, it's it's definitely it's not my favorite file, but it is really good. It's it is really, really good. good. Yeah, I was giving it some high praise last episode, but I'd only mm-hmm. just started it then. Yeah. So of course my opinion has changed a little bit. It's definitely still good though. It's not my favorite mm-hmm. of all of them, but it was really good. It definitely started off really high on a high note. I mm-hmm. think the beginning was like solid, but I think the ending was a little shaky. Um, yeah, I think definitely. I would have done some different things. I don't, uh, yeah, I think they made some choices that I think could have been a bit better. Um, but ultimately, ultimately I really enjoyed it and really liked it. Um, I just think that the premise is so good. It's such a good idea. I don't know whose concept this was, but like kudos, man. Yeah. It's so creative, so fun. Like the idea of like ransoming for someone that you previously believed to be dead. Right. So smart. Such a good idea. Such, Such a, a creative mystery. Spooky premise too. Yes. Yes. And I, so you said in the previous episode that it reminded you a lot of Knives Out. And I Very can much, yeah. definitely understand why we have like this really large kind of colorful cast of characters that are all kind of shoved together in this one house or one space. There's a very wealthy man-ish with like an inheritance at the center of mm-hmm. the mystery, right? And there's also like, on like a, a subtle level, there's like, little things going on like but like also combined with like these much like larger grander like Mm -hmm. actions and so it's very distracting and but you you're like there's more I know that more is happening I just don't really understand how or what yet Mm -hmm. it also has such a theme like it's such a vibe like this whole like Texas ranch like cowboys rodeo horses and cattle and Mexican food and Bolo tots, like everybody's really committing to the theme. You know what I mean? This would be a fantastic movie to get all those Mm -hmm. visuals into it and then just the plot. How, uh, yeah, I I think Mm -hmm. it would be really great on screen as an adaptation. Yeah. It also, I mean, like, I, I think it's one of those books where it seems like 
it is a really quick story. It's a quick read. The way it's solved seems really straightforward and easy, but because there's so many different like plot points going on throughout, I think there's a lot of subtext in this book, and I think it would be really easy to take it in a lot of different directions mm-hmm. um, without kind of disrupting the overall story. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it would make very a, a very good adaption in whatever form. It would make yeah. an excellent game, movie, episode, whatever. Um, because there's just so much I think you could do with it. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think too, something that I really liked about this book is that, I mean, you and I are both from Texas. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Um, and it felt really accurate to me. I feel like a lot of the times when we get into different Nancy Drew books that are set in like these different places, sometimes it can feel like, like, for example, the one we just did in Washington, D.C. It was like, well, they're not really doing anything in D.C. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a book in D.C. or about right. D.C., mm-hmm. right? But this is very much, like, the setting feels, like, accurate. And it feels um, it feels really important to the story. Um, oh, it definitely does. Especially yeah. because we're, like, isolated, too. Yes. Which... It just adds to everything, which is great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it's like, it's just whoever was like, yes, I'm going to set it here. And it's, that's important because of, yes, the isolation, but also because of like those like Southern ideals of kind of like machismo a little mm-hmm. bit. Or Absolutely. like, um, you know, also like the concept of like hired help right? Mm-hmm. And wealthy people and class right. and like, um, cattle and, and all, all mm-hmm. this, all this stuff is just so important to the story. Um, and I just think that that was just so, it's so refreshing <laughs> to read that when like, you're like, oh my gosh, somebody who knows what they're doing, writing a book. <laughs> I think, I think we said this in the last episode, but I think that this is only the second book we've read that's set in Texas. The first mm-hmm. being Shockwaves, which is set in Corpus Christi, which is of course, a little bit further away right. from where this book is set. Um, this one is supposed to be like... Wait, was it Corpus Christi or Galveston? I think it was Corpus. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this one is set like a few, I don't know. I don't know if they said exactly how many miles, like west of San Antonio, like maybe a right. hundred miles west of San Antonio, which is hill country basically, yeah. which is one of my favorite places in all of Texas. I love hill country. Um, and so having that idea in my mind, cause I've spent a lot of time in hill country. I know mm-hmm. exactly what it looks like, exactly what everything is like out there. Yeah. Being able know. to picture that did <laughs> yeah. so much for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you used to live very, very close right. to there as well. So Austin's yeah. not hill country technically, no. but it's like right on the border there basically. Yeah. And a lot of the times you'd go out into the hill country to do anything interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so fun out there. I think it contributes so much to the mystery. And I hope those of you that maybe aren't familiar with the area will still enjoy that aspect of it, how they really play up that we're in the desert. We are, mm-hmm. you know, a two hour plane ride from the closest big city, which would have been mm-hmm. San Antonio in this, in this case. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. I love yep. the setting. Yeah. yeah. It does so much for the mystery itself. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does. It was just, yeah, just such a pleasure to read. I think, like I said, I would have ended it differently. I don't think the ending was super compelling, but all the way up until that, I was like, sold. Great. Yeah. Loving it. Loving mm-hmm. every minute. Yes. <laughs> so I definitely think y'all should read it if you're at all 
interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose since you're listening to a Nancy Drew podcast, <laughs> hopefully you would be are. anyway. You probably yeah. are. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Three words. I want to go to this ranch. Oh. Oh, you put shadow. I was about to say <laughs> that exactly. It feels like an homage shadow to Shadow Ranch. ranch. Take two. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah, it definitely does. But I mean, it's. I mean, Shadow Ranch is of course Arizona, but. Hmm. I think it's just so much less like. It's so much more about like human, um, like human interests, like human yeah. drama. Like it's mm-hmm. so much less like oh, there's a mysterious ghost and a treasure. It's like drama and intrigue and like mm-hmm. personal politics kind yeah. of a thing, you know, like. Uh, which is so much more juicy. Yeah. <laughs> which God is my these files. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's so typical for like the Nancy Drew files as a series to be like this, which I love. Yeah. As much as I love a ghost story, love a ghost story, love a treasure. The files are always so much more about relationships and mm-hmm. interacting, you know, like power dynamics and all, all this all the juicy stuff that is just so fun to read yeah. and like secret like secret relationships and oh so good so good this didn't even need ghosts to be spooky with no how they play everything up it's great yes okay so shadow ranch take two that's one word yes. <laughs> i think they spend a lot of time talking about fashion in this book they really do they very have to similar, come on everybody's outfit. Yes. Very similarly to like the original mystery stories where it's like Nancy changes into her matching sweater set to go to dinner or whatever. That's They do that a lot in this book. Nancy talks about she's got to go put on her jeans. She only brought this one dress, so she's got to wear this dress to this party. Um, you know, all of this stuff. And also like she talks about what other people are wearing. Like she notices um, how um, Janelle is wearing like, you know, the white shirt with the silver buttons oh, yeah. and how everybody's dressed. And I just so much, so much about fashion. So I think one of the words should be fashion. I almost want to say class because the fashion definitely mm-hmm. does play into like mm. class dynamics as well mm-hmm. because that's a big part of it. But outside of fashion, also class is just a big component of this mystery as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I almost want to say like planes, airplanes. Planes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a good amount of airplanes because at the very beginning, Nancy's talking about how she's about to get on an airplane. She talks mm-hmm. about, she talks to Ned a lot about flying down, flying yep. down. Oh, he does fly down. Then Jean gets, fl- knows how to fly a plane for some yep. reason. <laughs> and the, like the plane crash in question that like the whole oh, right. mystery is centered Duh. around. But Duh. then also at the end when they have to go take the, the stuff to yeah. the, the lab yeah. to have it tested and he flies it out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Either so, one of those, airplanes or just class dynamics. Yeah, I think planes. Planes is funnier. I think yeah. it's Shadow Ranch Take Two with fashion and planes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Although I guess having your own private airplane and runway definitely plays into class dynamics, doesn't it? That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> just all kind of under this umbrella of rich people yes. and their problems. Yes, rich people problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good already. It is We're so just good. talking about it. Yes. We haven't even talked at all about the story, but I just I'm just excited to just talk about all the things we have. But oh my god. Yes. 
Well, should we just jump in? Absolutely, we should. So we start the story with Nancy saying a mushy goodbye to Ned, who she is recently back together with post two points to murder breakup. Um, very important <laughs> thing to note. Yep. Um, she is on her way to Texas via plane. There you go. One of our three words via plane um, hired because she's been hired by a cattle owner and oil baron named Robert Rygert to investigate a ransom note he recently received for a daughter he thought died 15 years ago in a plane crash along with his first wife. Um, apparently his wife and daughter were traveling to visit his wife's family in Mexico when their plane went down. Um, they found his wife, Isabel's body in the wreckage, but their daughter, Katerina, who was two at the time was never found. So she was just presumed to be dead. Um, and so Nancy is traveling to his ranch where she will be posing as a ghost writer, um, to help Mr. Rygert quote unquote, write his memoirs. But when in actuality, she's actually going to be investigating this ransom note business. I love the idea of Nancy as a ghostwriter. I know. That's so cute. It's so clever too to just be like, oh, you know, it's just like a subtle nod to the fact that, you know, of course all these books have were ghostwritten. And so like right. Nancy could be writing her own story as a ghostwriter. So funny. Love it. Um, once Nancy arrives in Texas, she is met by Mark, Mr. Reigert's stepson, the son of his current wife, Janelle. He tells her that his mother met a stepfather at a club where she was hostessing and they had this whirlwind romance. And I think actually, I don't remember reading this, but I think it was actually really recently that this occurred. Like in the past couple months. Yeah, they've been married less than a year or they've right. known each other less than a year and they've only been married a few months. Yeah. Right. Um... So they very quickly got married and they moved out to the ranch where um, Nancy is currently headed. Once they arrive at the ranch, it's this very like secluded, beautiful place about an hour outside of San Antonio, like we were saying. And Nancy is met by Janelle, uh, Mr. Reigert's current wife. She's very fancily dressed. This is what I was talking about, Nancy, really noticing what other people are wearing. Um, <clears throat> she also meets Joe Bob, who is a ranch hand, um, Jean Newsom, who is the foreman, and Mrs. Argejo, their housekeeper. Um, she's led to a room by Mrs. Argejo, where a younger girl around Nancy's age comes in. Apparently, her name is Angela. Um, Mrs. Argejo told her to stay in the kitchen, but Mr. Reigert wanted her to give a note to Nancy, so she came by to pass this note off to Nancy. And this note says that Nancy needs to come to Mr. Reigert's office at once because he got another ransom note. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. So she goes to a study and Mr. Reigert shows the Nancy the note, um, just left on his desk apparently. And the note says, still not convinced? How's this for proof? And along with the note, this is horrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> along with the note is this tiny little baby shoe um, that Mr. Reigert says Katerina was wearing the day of the crash. He's convinced, Aww. yes, that this is the same shoe. He knows exactly. He'd never forget. He's like, you remember things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, it was the last time I saw her. Um, and so he thinks the shoe is legit, but he's still torn on whether or not this means that Katerina is actually still alive, right? Like, somebody could have just found the baby shoe. Right. Um, and so he mentions that if she is still alive, then she's his only heir. And Nancy asks, oh, you know, well, what about Mark, your stepson? Like, would you, 
leave your money to him. And Mr. Reichert says that <laughs> Mark should be kicked off the ranch um, with all his harebrained ideas and his mother, who is the worst mistake he's ever made in his life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they haven't even been married a year. Yeah. Woo, boy. Um, maybe you shouldn't marry someone you've only known for two weeks. We're going to have to talk about this and Mr. Riker in, in great detail oh. once we finish this. Cause yeah. I have a lot to say about this man. No. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but this prompts Nancy to ask about Isabel. Um, and Mr. Riker explains that, you know, the reason why she was leaving for Mexico is because they got to a fight. Um, and so she was like leaving him and taking their daughter with her. Um, apparently her family in Mexico is wealthy. And so she was just bailing, going home. Right. <laughs> this is another sign that this guy <laughs> is not great. Anyway. So <laughs> he tells Nancy, Mr. Reigert tells Nancy that he doesn't trust anyone on the ranch anymore, aside from Gene, the foreman. Um, he, Gene, the foreman, is solid, and we can always go to him if there's anything that we need. Um, but he told us that he even caught Mrs. Argejo snooping recently, um, and even though she's been here for, like, 20 years or whatever, he, like, almost fired her because, because of that, but didn't because she's been here for so long. Um, and then he tells Nancy that she needs to take a tour of the ranch tomorrow. Like that's the only way that she's going to be able to understand what's going on here is if she has a tour of the ranch. Um, so she reluctantly agrees, but he doesn't give her much of a choice. It's very weird. Um, the next morning at breakfast, Janelle tells Nancy that Mr. Reigert is sick um, this morning. Like he's ill. Um, he, she tells her that he has this reoccurring stomach pain and that he won't see a doctor for it. Um, and when the Mark starts to say something about Mr. Riger being like crazy and not listening to him about the business plans that he has for the ranch. And then Mrs. Argejo like spills hot coffee on Mark, like <gasps> probably on purpose. Cause yeah. she has this smirk on her face after she does it. Oh my goodness. This is this is such a knives out scene. Like thinking everybody around a breakfast table, yeah. like this guy's not here, and so people are just like bad mouthing him. Someone spills coffee on someone else on purpose. Like that's such. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> so funny. Um. Then Jean takes Nancy on her tour of the property, like Mr. Regert wanted. Um. They ride out to look at cattle, and then Nancy starts to ask Jean some questions about everything going on. Um, she learns that Angela, the girl who handed her that note the other day, only arrived on the ranch a couple months ago, um, so she's new. Um, also, we learn that Mark recently suggested that they get out of the cattle business and instead set up an exotic game hunting scheme at the ranch. So this is probably what he was alluding to at breakfast. Um, but no one really thought this was a good idea, mm -hmm. least of all Mr. Reigert, and so he's, like, bitter about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as they start to head back to the ranch, Nancy swears that like through the trees, she sees this large buck that has like spots on it. But Jean teases her and is like, no, 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 that's impossible. There's no deer that look like that in this area. Only young deer have spots. There's no way that you saw a fully grown buck with antlers with spots on it. Um, but Nancy is like very sure of what she saw. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when they get back to the ranch, Mr. Mrs. Rygert comes running out and says that they have to come quickly because Mr. Rygert is dying. So Nancy rushes over to Mr. Rygert's room and Mr. Rygert tells her just right off the bat, like, no, I'm not dying. Janelle was being dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> this happens regularly and I always get better. It's fine. Um, and then he also tells her she needs to hurry up and figure out what's happening. She's been here for, like, literally, like, less than 24 hours. Jeez. And he insisted she go on this tour this morning, so it's not like right. she's wasting her time. Anyway. Um, Nancy then goes to interview Mrs. Rygert, who is very uncomfortable with answering any questions. And she ends up cutting off the conversation entirely when Nancy starts to ask about Mr. Rygert's first wife and daughter. Hmm. Um, so Nancy then decides to try to go and talk to Mark. Um, she talks to him about his exotic game idea and also tells him about the strange looking buck that she saw. And he gets very gaslighty and cagey too and says, you mean the buck you think you saw? There's no such thing as a spotted buck. Defensive much? After dinner that evening, someone slides a note under Nancy's door that says, come to the stables immediately. You'll get the answers you need or you'll get all the answers you need. So she does, despite the fact that this is an obvious trap. And then when she gets there, she gets hit over the head by something or someone and blacks out. So surprising. <laughs> Who would have known this would happen? Oh, my goodness. So she, when she wakes back up, she realizes she has a note in her hand, obviously left there by whoever knocked her out. Um, it says, does this answer your questions? Get off the ranch or you'll wake up dead. How does that happen, first of all? How do you wake up dead? But anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so she starts to leave, but she sees Joe Bob scurrying away. Um, so, of course, she instantly is like, was he the one that hit me? Surely, like, he had the opportunity here. So she tries to follow him, but she gets, like, too dizzy. She's really weak from, from what just happened. From um, a concussion. Yeah, so what does she do when she has this concussion? Goes right to bed, obviously. I don't know what else how this do? girl isn't dead. Right? Like... <sighs> anyway. She's sorry. really lucky that nothing happened to her. I mean... So, miraculously, she wakes up from her concussion nap and decides <laughs> not to tell anyone that she had been in the stables last night because she didn't want anyone to think she'd been careless and got herself injured that way someone hit you over the head nancy oh my god i feel like this is when you have your knives out moment when you get everybody around the breakfast table yeah. the next morning and be like all right which one of you was it because it had to have been somebody here someone at this table assaulted yeah. me last night <laughs> so instead of doing that she's like all right i'm gonna go talk to mrs argasio again and she gets some interesting information from her she says that there are no pictures left of Isabel. Nancy asks if she can um, give her a copy of a picture of Isabel. Because she's like, well, you know, if we're looking for Katerina, a picture of her mom might give us an idea of what she would look like now as like a teenager, almost adult. Um, but she tells her that there are none left, um, that all the pictures are gone. Um, and she also tells her that Isabel's family did not approve of her marriage to Mr. Rygert, um, that he was a good deal older than her huge flag number one right there um and he had land but not a lot of money at the time so the family kind of looked down upon him as 
you know, not being as rich as them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they get married anyway. And then, of course, um, after their argument and everything, wanted to leave him and then go back home with Katerina. So Nancy asked her more about the plane crash and was like, so what do you think? Do you think Katerina died? Do you think she was kidnapped and like somebody took her and is now raising her as their own or something like that? But Mrs. Argejo like clams up and is like, I have to go do something in the kitchen. Never mind. Mm -hmm. So Nancy goes to see Mr. Rygert at this point, And when she gets to his room, she overhears him and uh, Mrs. Rygert uh, talking about a party that they have coming up. And Mr. Rygert is like, can't you like alter the menu so that my stomach issues aren't, um, you know, upset by the spicy food that you have planned. And Mrs. Rygert is like, no, obviously not. The party is Mexican themed because what else would you choose for your party theme when you're set on a ranch in Texas? Goodness. Um, but that's her reason she can't change the menu because we have to have spice in the food. Whatever. Like, just, like, make him a separate meal. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's not that hard. It's a weird argument they're having. So It's, yeah. like, literally a child could resolve this, could figure this out, but, like, they're arguing. Like, they're, yeah. like... <laughs> change the whole menu for me. No, you have to eat it. Okay, we'll just make something different. So that's what they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'll just make, or I'll just ask Mrs. Argejo to make something for me, like separate from mm-hmm. the rest of the party food. And so that's just it. They They're just like, resolve it. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nancy turns around to leave, but then she sees Angela fleeing. Like she'd just been eavesdropping on the conversation. And so Nancy's like, that was weird. Let me follow her. So instead of just letting her get away, she like, runs after her to the dining room and grabs her and is like, what were you doing? And Angela's like, oh, sorry, I don't speak English. No habla English. Yeah. (laughs) And Nancy's like, no, you're lying. Like, I've seen you speak English before. What was that about? And so eventually she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm not going to tell you, though. I do speak English, but I'm not going to tell you what I was up to just now. Um, And so Nancy's like, huh, that was really weird. That's not really the behavior that a housemaid would normally have so something must be up here so nancy decides that now is a good time to go hunt down this mystery deer that she saw earlier because you know what else is there to do with the katarina mystery obviously we need to just go do this um so nancy takes uh, the horse that she's been riding over to a nearby canyon planning to like look down into the canyon but then suddenly someone's shooting at her just from somewhere out in the desert Oh my goodness. Wait, is this one me as well? Yeah. Okay. So her horse gets super spooked when the shooting starts, obviously, and just takes off running. Uh, Nancy is barely able to cling to the horse when Gene shows up on his horse and, like, is able to, like, grab the reins and get the horse to stop running so that she's not in danger of falling off or anything. And he's like, what are you... Oh, that's the 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 scene from the cover. cover. Yes. Oh, wonderful. That's a cute one. Oh, and she's even wearing the bolo tie there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jane is like, hold on. What is going on? Like, why are you out here by yourself? And why are you riding bad guy? And Nancy's like, what? And he's like, yeah, bad guy. This horse. He's like one of our worst ones. And I asked Joe Bob to saddle a horse for you. And he knew better than to to give you this horse because he's, like, not very easy, especially he's if notorious. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> notorious for like knocking people off or knocking his riders off. So you never should have ended up with this horse. Um, 
And then he asks, like, hey, did you, like, see who shot at you? And she's like, no, they were too far away. Um, and then she's like, you know, maybe it's good that I didn't have an answer for him because what if it was him? And then he just, like, sh- like showed up to to grab right. bad guy just as cover for mm-hmm. being out here. Um, so she gets back to the ranch after all this happens and she goes to ask Mr. Rygert about Gene. And he's like, no, Gene would never be involved in this. He's too good of a guy. Like he would never do anything nefarious like this. Um, I've known him since he was a baby. And then I also was friends with his father before that. So this man is covered in gold. He can do no wrong. Um, as for Joe Bob, Gene hired him. So anything that Joe Bob does, it's It's only because, yeah, Gene gave him the sign off on it. So anything Joe Bob does is also like all good under the the umbrella of Gene, right? So Gene comes in and is like, hey, uh, I talked to Joe Bob and he didn't saddle bad guy for you. He actually saddled up a different horse. And when Nancy went to like get the horse to go out riding to look in the canyon, she just saw that there was already a horse there and assumed that that was the horse that Joe Bob had saddled for her. So I guess Gene is telling us that someone switched out the horses before Nancy was able to get there. Which is weird because, like, at breakfast that morning, Joe Bob was like, yeah, I'm going to go saddle that horse for you, Nancy. Come get it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And then, like, ten minutes later, it's been swapped out. So, was it really swapped out or did Joe Bob just try to sabotage us? Or Gene? Hmm. You don't know. So, with all of this and considering everything that's happened, Nancy starts wondering if they could be in on it together. Are they mm. covering for each other? Or is it really just Joe Bob acting on his own and Gene is genuinely a good guy and just doesn't realize yeah um so later that night we get a call from ned and nancy asks him to fly to um to dallas because we learned that ned's uncle lives in dallas and like Mm -hmm. works for a newspaper there so of course he has access to all these like archives and all these records and everything so he's like so convenient (laughs) yeah so convenient so nancy's like hey would you fly to dallas go visit your uncle and maybe do some research into mark and jonelle while you're there because i want to know what their backstory is because i feel like there's more to it Mm -hmm. um so he's like yeah absolutely if it means that i can be within 300 miles of you nancy (laughs) i will do it this man is thirsty yes I don't know who this author was or if they'd ever actually been to Texas, but they make it seem like Dallas and San Antonio yeah. are just like neighboring cities. They're <laughs> definitely like at least a six hour drive away. <laughs> um, and if we're outside of San Antonio, we're probably closer to like seven or eight hours of a drive yeah. from mm-hmm. where Dallas is. But mm-hmm. um, he is all all way too happy to go and do this for Nancy. So he agrees. Um, uh, so after they hang up, Nancy locks her bedroom door and goes to bed. But then she wakes up in the middle of the night hearing someone trying to pick that lock on her door. Oh. Or not trying to pick the lock, no. just unlocking the door. Just unlocking the door. Yeah. yeah. Turns out it's just Mr. Rygert. So, but still, why is he, like, not knocking? Yeah, just not, <laughs> and, like, in the middle of the night, too, just unlocking someone's door with the creepy. key and coming in. That's so creepy. creepy. Um... Mm. But he has news. This is why he's come. He has the news. Someone left a videotape for him while he was out today. He comes back and he found it. So he brings Nancy into his bedroom to Mm-mm. show her. Because that's where his VCR is. Um, and they put it in. They watch it. And it's a video of a young woman with dark hair tied up and bound to a chair. And there are like these men with guns around her. And they also hold up a, an old photograph of Isabel with 
Mr. Rygert and a young Katerina. Um, and in that picture, you can kind of really see the resemblance between the girl tied to the chair and Isabel. Hmm. So we kind of assume like, okay, so this is like them saying that that is Katerina tied up to that chair. And this has Mr. Rygert just about ready to pay that half a million dollar ransom, which I'm sorry, the ransom is only half a million. Yeah. This book was published in 1987. Yeah. Yes. And I still think that's super low. Yeah. Um, for that time, but whatever. It's a half million dollars and he's about ready to pay it. Um, even though it's just about all of the money that he has. And Nancy's like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, you thought I was super wealthy, didn't you? But actually, you know, the cattle business is not doing so well these days. And that's about all the liquid assets that I have. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so Nancy asks him, like, is there any other way that we can confirm that this is Katerina? You know, people can do a lot of, like, really impressive things. Makeup these days, we still don't know for sure that that is Katerina. Does she have any, like, identifying marks or, like, a birthmark or something? And he says, actually, yes, she does have a birthmark. There's this small mark on her ankle. And so Nancy says, okay, you should ask the kidnappers to give proof of that birthmark. Um, to verify that it actually is Katerina. Um, she thinks that this will stall, right? Hopefully give them more time to investigate. But also, you know, if it's not Katerina, then this is an easy way out of this whole situation, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so he agrees to do that. The next day, Nancy has to go to the rodeo with Jean because this is something else that Mr. Riker like, forces her to do. That We have to talk about this later. <laughs> So bizarre. Or just now, because I was furious when I read this. <laughs> it's like, Gene doesn't come in and say, hey, Nancy, do you want to go to the rodeo with me? And then they turn to him and say, like, hey, can I have time off from working so that I can go to the rodeo? Not like that. Not a normal way you mm -hmm. would ask somebody out. It's, hey, Mr. Riger, can I have permission to take Nancy out? And then it's just a conversation between these two men of what the date plans are going to be. And Nancy has never consulted. It's yeah. not a, hey, Nancy, would you like to go? No. Nancy, are you willing to go? Do right. you want to go? Do nope. you want to spend time with me? No, mm -mm. it's just the two of them decide amongst themselves that Nancy should go on a date with this man. Yeah. Yeah. Who may or may not have been shooting at her the, the previous day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know uh, how often, like... <laughs> Men were used to going to their <laughs> suitors' employers to ask for permission for a date, but this is just a whole other level. Like, Carson wasn't yeah. available, so we have to ask Nancy's boss. Like, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. great. It's very gross. It's very weird. Um, but they go, um, and they actually do have, like, a marginally good time. Um, and she even sees Joe Bob there. He works as, like, a rodeo clown for the rodeo often, and he, like, apparently loves to do that. It's, like, his calling or something, which is very interesting. Um, and then they, like, go to look at, like, this bull. Um, they, like, go to this bullpen, and I don't know why, but Nancy gets up, like, on the side of the stall to, like, look into it, and someone pushes her into the bullpen. Um, and so the bull charges her, um... And catches her by the belt and throws her into the wall. Jeez Louise. Um, and then suddenly people notice and a bunch of cowboys come to her rescue. They like lasso the bull and they even carry Nancy out of the stall. Love this though. Love that. 
left being rescued by hot cowboys and physically lifted and carried away as if you yes. had nothing. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, and Nancy's bleed like she's bleeding, like she's injured, um, but she's like, oh no, you know, I'm okay. Nancy! <laughs> no, let the hot cowboys take care of you. Let them get you a band-aid. A golden opportunity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh my leg. Oh, I just oh will someone give me some water? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I think I need help to the car. Oh, no. <laughs> you might just have to carry me a little further. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jean appears shocked when Nancy tells him that someone pushed her into the, the pen. But a nearby cowboy says he saw the whole thing, and he saw that someone did push her. It was a rodeo clown, um, but he <gasps> couldn't see who because he just saw the makeup and the outfit, right? He didn't know who it was. But, like, okay. A Who rodeo do we know clown that likes pushed dressing her? up as a rodeo clown. <laughs> and Gene even says, he's like, no, no, no. I know what you're thinking, but there's no way it was Joe Bob. He just wouldn't do that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, Nancy's, of course, not convinced by this. But also, she realizes, too, that Gene never jumped in to help her the way that all the other cowboys around did. So... Why not? What gives? Maybe he's lying. Maybe he was in on it with Jobot. Maybe Jobot did push her, but Jean wanted her to be in that pen and be in danger, right? Whatever. So they, they end up leaving the rodeo and they drive back. But then on the way back, Jean like abruptly stops the car because he thinks he saw, get this, a kangaroo. Who's crazy about the white-tailed deer now, <laughs> Jean? <laughs> I mean, like, personally, at this point, it was really obvious to me what was going on. Yeah. I mean, it was like being hit over the head with it. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, yeah, very obvious, but not to everybody else, apparently. So the next morning um, at breakfast, Jean tells everyone about the kangaroo. And Nancy notices that Mark looks a little bit scared to hear this, but ultimately tells him that, you know, you're just imagining things just like Nancy. Um Joe Bob, however, is acting entirely normal if he indeed just did try to kill Nancy again the previous night. So maybe he's just a really good actor. We don't know. But Nancy decides that, like, enough is enough. And she's finally going to tell Mr. Reigert about all the attempts on her life. Um, but Mrs. Reigert says that Mr. Reigert is unwell again today. Hmm. So Nancy decides she's going to look in on him anyway. And he is indeed sick. It's, you know, not a lie. Um, but he still won't let them call a doctor. But he does say, it is weird, though. I keep having this taste of, like, garlic in my mouth, even though I haven't eaten anything recently. Nancy, come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So obvious. Anyway, um, he does ask Nancy to do this errand for him. He needs her to go to the bank and pick up the ransom money. Um, and Nancy is like nervous about this. She's like, are you sure you want me to do this? He's like, yeah, you're a detective. Haven't you like done this before? <laughs> Surely you do hostage She's exchanges like, um, all the time. <laughs> right, right, right. No worries. Yeah, I'll do it. 
Um, and so she agrees. But once she gets to the bank, the money isn't ready yet. Um, because <laughs> the, the banker is like, this is a small town bank. Like, we don't just have that money. Like, I had to, like, get it delivered. Like, it's not going to be here until, like, later tonight. And so she arranges with the bank manager for to have him come to the house personally and deliver the money to the house at midnight via horseback because tonight is also the night of the party and they want to be able to try to like sneak the money into the house without being heard and a car would attract too much attention whatever <laughs> wild plants <laughs> um when Nancy gets back to the ranch from that afternoon, she overhears a conversation between Mark and Mrs. Rygert. Um, and Mrs. Rygert seems to be cautioning Mark about something that Mr. Rygert doesn't know about. They, like, mention smuggling, but Nancy can't hear what it is they're talking about smuggling. And Mark says, no, it's fine. It's worth it because it's just so lucrative. And it's just bad luck that the fences went down. Come on. Come okay. on, Nancy, put it together. Yeah. <laughs> but him saying the thing about the fences, I was like, okay, all right. We have to know. We have to know what this is. But Nancy doesn't yet. Um, unfortunately, at this exact moment where Nancy hears this, Mark like abruptly leaves the room and catches Nancy outside the door, eavesdropping. Ah! <laughs> 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 this is such a good moment. I love the suspense of this. It really is good. So Mark yanks Nancy into the bedroom mm -hmm. um, and kind of bars her in the room, will not let her leave until she explains who she is and what she's doing here. Um, so Nancy decides to just like deny everything and just like play dumb and start crying. <laughs> just <laughs> cue the waterworks. Just I, I don't understand. Why are you pulling my arm? You're hurting you hurt me. me. <laughs> no, you didn't have to squeeze my arm so hard. And I'm just trying to do my job. And I just don't understand why you're mad at me. And so she's just like just uh -huh. really playing it up. She is just not letting on that anything else is actually going on here. And so Mrs. Riger is like, oh, oh, you poor dear. It's okay. Just calm down. Mark, you didn't have to grab her arm like that. Come on. Just like uh -huh. sit down. Uh, but Mark is just like, uh-uh. No, she's up to something. But eventually they just let her leave the room anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so that evening, it's time to get ready for the party. Nancy has to pull out her one dress that she, you know, bothered to pack with her. Um, everything is going really well, though. Um you know, party's going fine, but then Mr. Rygert starts to feel ill again. Um, so he goes back to his room to recover, and Nancy's like, hey, do you think maybe this could actually be poison? Because you are not getting any better, and you seem to be fine, and then all of a sudden you start to get bad again. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, you know, I never really thought about that, but uh, if you really think something's going on here that I could be in danger, fine. I will make an, uh, I will make an appointment with the doctor first thing for tomorrow. Um, so Nancy starts to leave his room at this point, but as she's leaving, she finds Angela outside eavesdropping again. Hmm. And so, um, they have the, this little conversation and Nancy's like, what are you doing basically? And she's like, Hey, I'm just really worried about him. And I'm glad you're worried about him too, because somebody has to be worried about him because clearly, uh, Mark and Mrs. Rygert are not right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Nancy's like, tell me why, why do you care about him so much? Like what's going on here? And she's just like, nah, she just won't say anything to him. 
Um, so she goes, and then later it's time for our little plot to like secretly deliver the money during the party or right after the party is ended, right? Um, so it's this whole convoluted thing where he, Nancy's like, all right, I don't want like the sound of a car near the house. So I'm going to have you park a mile away and then I'm going to get a second horse and I'm going to ride over to your car, pick you up with the horse. And then we're going to come back with the money to the house. And so they're like sneaking alongside the house. And then like, do they go in through his window or is it, no, they get along to the side door and then they go into his bedroom. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, so they have to sneak into the house, like, around the side and through the back. And so they finally deliver the money to Mr. Riger, who says, hey, I've got this, like, secret safe in my wall. Um, and Na- secret wall safe. <laughs> I love it, yeah. And Nancy is even, like, kind of impressed by it because mm-hmm. she's been in this bedroom before. and She didn't even notice that there was, like, a seam mm-hmm. in the wallpaper where the hinge is or anything like that. So, um he puts it in the safe and Nancy and the banker both watch him do this. And then she has to like take the horse and the banker back to his car and then ride the other horses back to the stable. Um, and while she's like riding back the like mile ride from where the car was parked back to the stable, a semi truck <laughs> comes out of nowhere, a semi truck without any lights on either. Yeah. And it's like freaking two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning at this mm-hmm. point, just out of nowhere, barreling down the road at her. Um, so she's able to get out of the way and able to get like both of the horses out of the way. So everybody's fine. Um, but she notices that the semi truck has holes in the side of the, you know, the back of the truck where the cargo goes. Um, so this is a livestock truck, right? Either for like horses or just generally for transporting livestock. So, I mean, that's normal around a ranch, but why this late? Mm-hmm. Again, it's super late at night, and the lights aren't on, and they're going really, really fast for no reason. Like, we shouldn't have any horse mm-hmm. deliveries at this time. No cattle that have been purchased mm-hmm. that should be being delivered. So, very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she takes the horse back to the stable. She stables them, and then she starts walking back to her room. And then she overhears the window in Mr. Rygert's room opening. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, that's kind of weird, because when the banker and I left, he like locked his bedroom and he said he was going right to sleep or locked his bedroom door and said he was going right to Mm -hmm. sleep. Um, and so Nancy's like, that's really bizarre. Maybe he got up for some reason. So she goes and she knocks on the door and is able to like push the door open. So she goes into the room and he's asleep in bed. Mm -hmm. So who just opened the window? Uh, super spooky. So Mr. Riger wakes up and is like, that's weird. I definitely locked that window and I locked that bedroom door. How did you get in, Nancy? Mm-hmm. And Nancy's like, well, obviously it wasn't locked if I was able to just come in. And so he jumps out of bed, runs to the safe, checks it, and it's empty. The money is gone. <laughs> so Nancy's like, all right, what happened while I was taking the horses back to the stable? And he says that after she, um, after she and the banker left, he went down to the kitchen to get a glass of milk and he put a shot of whiskey in there so that it would help him sleep because that's going to help your stomach issues (laughs) Uh, i'm sorry uh he says that when he was in the kitchen mrs reigert was in there briefly and they had a very quick conversation and then he came back to the room locked both the bedroom door and windows from the inside and then went to bed so nancy automatically just jumps out of his bedroom window and starts Mm -hmm. like looking around on the grass outside or on the ground yeah and she finds a silver button that happens to be 
pretty much the same button that was on one of the shirts that Mrs. Riger was wearing when Nancy right. arrived. And she remembers this because she made a point to like yep. point out that like, oh, that looks like fancy buttons. That looks like mm-hmm. an expensive outfit that she's wearing kind of thing. Um, so Mr. Riger tells her, though, that no, like he had those buttons made for all the staff. So Mrs. Argejo, Jean, Joe Bob, everyone, as well as Mrs. Riger. So really, it could have been anybody who whose clothing that button came from um nancy like tries to ask him like more questions about like the semi truck that like almost killed her um or whatever but he falls asleep from the the whiskey and milk probably right i mean okay i know he's supposed he's he's supposed to be in his 60s he's not that old right like he's not like falling asleep mid-conversation old you know and I know he's sick, but, like, your money was just, like, your, all of your liquid assets, all of the money that you have was just stolen. And you just fall asleep? Yeah. Bizarre. Anyway. The next day, Nancy gets a phone call from someone, but it's on, like, this separate line. It's not on the phone that she usually uses. Like, Jean has to come in and say, like, hey, Nancy, you have a phone call. So she goes and she takes it. And it's from this voice that she doesn't, recognize Uh, but they're clearly trying to like disguise their voice which is interesting um and they say that they have the information nancy wants and that she needs to meet them in the wine cellar in 30 minutes okay 30 minutes is such a giveaway Mm -hmm. like we know that we're an hour outside of the major the most like nearby major town so like they're in the house right you know they have to be (laughs) Anyway. Interesting. Um, And of course, obviously, Nancy has to go. She has to go into the cellar. But she's like, but, you know, fool me once, shame on on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not about to get hit over the head again. (laughs) Good Um, for Nancy on this, actually. (laughs) So she decides that what she's going to do is she is going to go down the stairs way ahead of time. Like, right now, she goes downstairs. She disables a light switch and then hides like around like the side of the stairs where there's another light switch so that whenever somebody comes down the stairs, she can surprise them, turn on the light, see who it is before they can get down to her. Right. Exactly. So she's downstairs waiting for whoever it is to come down here. And then she hears somebody open the door and start walking down the stairs. And then she hears two voices so two people are coming down here. And so that means two people must be in on it together. Ooh. Is it Jean and Joe Bob? Uh, they make it to the bottom of the stairs. And Nancy then flips on the lights really quickly. And she sees Angela and Mrs. Argejo. <gasps> Angela basically just immediately starts telling Nancy that she called her here, down here to the cellar because she's decided to finally tell her the truth. That she is not, her name is not Angela. She is actually Katerina Riger. Ah! Who would have thought? shock. (laughs) Who would have known? That the only girl with dark hair who's around the right age, who is here at the ranch, is in fact his long-lost daughter. And who who showed up just a couple months ago. Yeah, who would have guessed that? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so she, Angela, are... Katerina and Mrs. Argejo explain everything. How Mrs. Argejo recently heard from her cousin, who thought that Katerina was actually still alive and living with her grandparents in Mexico. So Mrs. Argejo traveled to Mexico there and saw her 
with her grandparents. Um, and she learned that Katerina was actually rescued from the plane crash by her grandparents. Um, and because they didn't want her to be raised in Texas by Mr. Rygert in what I guess they considered to be like poverty. Yeah. <laughs> um, they allowed everyone else to think that she was dead and raised her themselves. How convenient um, that the plane crash that went all the way from San Antonio to like wherever they are in Mexico, they don't actually say where they are, but like no. they do specify the plane crash basically happened on their property. So they yeah. went the entire time and then it crashed when they were landing. Right. And the right, grandparents right, just right. ran out and grabbed the baby. Uh-huh. Okay. Very convenient. Um, Sorry. Anyway. No, you're, yeah, no, it is. Um, but also, so when Katerina was like growing up, they told her the whole time that her father was dead. So Katerina had no knowledge that her father was still alive until Mrs. Arpeggio came and told her like, Hey, no, your dad's still alive and he thinks you're dead, you know? Yeah. Um, so Katerina wanted to go with Mrs. Arpeggio to, to meet her father, obviously, but her grandparents didn't want that. Right. And also they had like arranged this marriage for her to like one of like the sons of like their friends. Um, and Katerina didn't want to get married to that guy and very creepy and weird. And so she's unhappy. And so she just decides to run away with Mrs. Arquejo and come here in secret. Um, and at first she did mean to tell Mr. Rygert who she was, but she decided that she should instead wait and kind of watch a little bit because he had like just gotten remarried. Um, and she didn't know if like she would be like this unwelcome disruption to his life. Right. So she wanted to like try to find a good time to tell him. Um, and so this is how she came to learn that it's actually Mark who has been poisoning Mr. Rygert because she's been paying attention, right? She's posing as his housemaid. So she's able to see everything that's going on. And she tells us that she saw Mark put powder in Mr. Rygert's food during the party. Um, and so she put two and two together with that. And, you know, Mr. Rygert's like strange stomach illness, right? She then, Angela, Katerina tells us that she actually went and searched Mark's room while he was like gone and found the powder and she like hands it over to Nancy. It's like in this little like pill bottle. And um, unfortunately, at this precise moment, they hear someone else coming downstairs. It's not Mark. It's just Gene. Um, but apparently he's been in on this thing the whole in on this thing the whole time with Angela slash Katerina and Mrs. Argejo. And in fact, he is in love with Angela. Mm. This 17 year old girl. Yeah. Gotta talk about that. Um, and they want to get married. Uh, she escaped an arranged teenage marriage so that she could go marry some other rando she just met. Right. Right, yeah, right, right, right. I could have right. done without this plot line. There was no reason to make Jean. It makes no sense. Her love interest. And also Who? because he just forced Nancy to go on a date with him like the prior day. Mm-hmm. None of this was necessary to me, but. No. Um, Jean also tells Nancy that Ned is here. Like he just, like Ned just showed up. It's a Ned thing to do. Uh-huh. And so Nancy, like, goes to, like, get him, and she brings him down into the cellar where Ned tells her that he's found out some stuff about Mark and Janelle Reigert. Turns out that Mark and Janelle were actually involved in scamming a widow out of her money in Houston a couple of years ago. And here is the hot-button topic of the day. They aren't actually even related. 
They are not mother and son. So creepy. (laughs) So Nancy then decides, like, okay, because everybody's told me this information, it's time for me to finally fess up and tell them who I actually am and what I'm here to do. So she does. And they are shocked to hear about the ransom notes because obviously Katerina is here. She's not been kidnapped. She's fine. Um, And when Nancy explains about like the proof that they provided, like the baby shoe that they sent with it, the note Angela explains that like oh like that actually belonged to her she hid them in the attic of the house so someone must have found it and decided that they could use it as proof right um and Mrs. Argesio says hold on I know who this was it was Janelle she saw her stealing that photograph that they were holding up in that that video the ransom video from Mr. Reichert's room she saw her take that so she would have known from that photo because it was taken like a few days before the crash. And it was like in the photo, uh, Katerina is like actually wearing like the same shoes that she was wearing anyway. So she would know, right. She found that photo. So she would know also in the bedside table, we are not wherever she found this, uh, photo was also a slip of paper with the combination to the safe. So she could have saw that as well and known what the combination to the safe was. So she could have also stolen the money. Right. right? Um, so now we know who is likely behind all of Nancy's accidents, the fake kidnapping, the poisoning of Mr. Reigert. Um, It's Mark and Janelle, right? And so there's only one thing left to do, and that's to figure out where the weird animals are coming from. This is so stupid. Uh, If we know that it's Mark and Janelle, we know where the weird animals are coming from. Come on, Nancy, put two and two together. You know why. Mm -hmm. Um, So Gene takes the poison powder, whatever. He flies it into town to get it tested to see what it actually is, right? Um, And Nancy and Ned are going to go right out to the canyon where Nancy was shot at because she thinks that maybe something is hidden in that canyon. And that's why someone shot at her. They didn't want her to see what was there. Such good deduction skills. (laughs) So they get to the canyon. They spend some time at the edge of the canyon looking down. They get some binoculars. And they see all these exotic animals, including kangaroo. And how do I pronounce this? Sika? I think Sika. Sika deer. I think. um, That have the spots on them like Nancy saw. And they're all penned into like this electric fence that's running around the canyon. Um, so now we know for sure Mark really did think that the exotic game business was this genius money-making idea. And so now he has been keeping all these animals that he's somehow acquired on Mr. Riker's property without him knowing. Right. So now we have to prove what's going on here. We have no evidence that Mark is actually responsible for smuggling these animals in the area um, or that Mrs. Riker was the one who stole the ransom money. So Nancy has to come up with a clever little plan to get a confession out of these two. So Gene comes back from taking the poison to be tested and he tells us, yes, indeed, this is poison. They tested it and it's like this, like, was it ant poison or something mm-hmm. that they've been using? And then it got discontinued because of like the How dangerous it was. Yeah. yeah. The health impacts of it. Um, but because, you know, they've been on this ranch for so long, they just happen to have some laying around right. even after it got recalled or whatever um so mark clearly found it and has been using it 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this explains all of the stomach symptoms that Mr. Riker had been happening. And Mrs. Argasia says that she remembers having that tub store somewhere on the ranch. Right. So Nancy tells everyone what their part in the, the secret plan is going to be for getting the confession out of these two. And um, then we kind of just cut to a scene at dinner. Um, they're all sitting and eating together. And Mrs. Argasia comes in and says, Angela's dead. She dropped dead in the library. Come quickly. <laughs> So they all rush in to see Angela on the floor, motionless, and she is holding that little bottle of pills that had the poison in it. Um, and so Nancy rushes to her, feels her pulse, and is like, yep, she's definitely dead. Um, <laughs> look at this. Look what she's holding here. This must have been what did it, right? Mm-hmm. She also, when she like picks up Angela's hand to like pick up the bottle of the pill bottle or whatever, she finds the silver button next to Angela. Um, and Nancy's like, Jean, call the sheriff. Um, <laughs> and then she turns to Mrs. Riker and is like, hey, I recognize this button as being one of the ones on your shirt. Why don't you go get that shirt you were wearing on the day that I arrived to prove to us that it still has all of its buttons on it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this and the idea that the sheriff is going to come in and find Mark's fingerprints on the bottle causes both of them to just instantly fall apart and <laughs> like start confessing and turning on each other. And honestly, this is a really great scene. Yes. I really enjoyed seeing this and how just how all of the characters on this all have some sort of secret something going on, but nobody <laughs> is telling each other what's going on. So it's just everybody's reactions to finding out each other's secrets and then mm-hmm. them, like turning on each other and being furious. It is a really entertaining, great scene. And again, I think that this would be like ideal Dirty knives out. out. Yeah. yeah, very, yeah. very much so. Um, so they're, they're turning on each other. Mark even pulls a gun on Janelle <laughs> yes. and they're like yelling and like, this is all your fault and I'm not going down because of you and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's really great. Um, so we do learn in the course of this that Mark did indeed poison Mr. Riger, but Janelle had no idea that this was going on. So he mm-hmm. had this whole plan. And it's like, what do you mean you didn't know about the poisoning? Obviously, I thought you were in on it because of the mm-hmm. whole like food thing. You were trying to get him to eat certain things. Um, and then Janelle did the kidnapping and ransom thing and stole the ransom money without Mark's knowledge. So yes. each of them had this like side plot. And I had assumed <laughs> that they were in on all of it right. together from the start. Mm-mm. No, no, they're just trying to scam the scammer and scam each other yeah. out of everything. It's so <laughs> exciting. Uh, and so, of course, Mrs. Rygert or Janelle's uh, motivation here is that she didn't want to have to split her payout with Mark, right? She mm-hmm. wanted everything for herself. Um, so Mark tries to like wave the gun around and use this as an excuse to make an escape. But Ned tackles him yep. and then the sheriff shows up to arrest them both. Um, and then we have a very sweet scene where Angela's like, hey, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, big story here. I'm Katarina. <laughs> and Mr. Rygert's like, oh, my gosh, what a blessing. I finally get to meet my baby, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, also, I might be engaged <laughs> <Yes>. to... <laughs> To your foreman here. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Eigert's like, hey, I get a great son-in-law out of the deal now as well. Happily ever after. And that's the end of the book. Yep. 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 Ooh. So. Oh. My God. So exciting. Wow. Wow. What wow, a wild wow, one. Wow. 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 You know, I don't know. I think part of me wants to like take it back after like discussing all this saying that like I thought the ending was kind of bad because it's I mean the the thing that I take issue with is the fact that Nancy didn't 
she didn't learn this. Like she didn't do any detective work to figure out the resolution of this mystery. Like it, it would have been nicer told to her. She at least had a theory yeah. that, that maybe Angela was Katerina. Yeah. And then she like confronted her and mm-hmm. that's when Angela finally breaks or something. But Angela calls her and is like, or Katerina calls her and it's like, Hey, come to the cellar. And so she does. And then they tell her everything, literally yeah. everything. Yeah. And, and it was actually Angela slash Katerina is really the one who solved the mystery and seeing Mark poison, poison Mr. Reigert and Mrs. Argesia was the one who saw Janelle take the photo. So it's like. If everyone had been communicating, this all would have been solved a lot faster. My <laughs> thing, I, I, what I wish is I wish Nancy would have come up with a, a wrong theory, right? I wish that she found the photo with Mrs. Argesia's stuff. Like maybe she snooped through Mrs. Argesia's stuff, found the photo, assumed that either Mrs. Argesia was lying when she told her that there weren't any photos left or that she's the one who stole the photo. Mm. And so therefore she's the one who's responsible for the kidnapping does think that Angela is actually Katerina, but thinks Angela is in on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And trying to get this money from Mr. Reigert. Right. And so then she confronts them both with this, like, it's you, you did it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I have the proof here, whatever. And then they say, no, 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 it's not us. And then you know? they do the whole plan. And then they the do the whole Angela plan. faking dead and everything. Right. That would have been a great ending. That I like that been a lot. <laughs> I definitely could have done without the Nancy not solving it herself or at least yeah. not having a theory about what's going on. I could have done without the um, smuggling wildlife thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was just like an extra Weird, layer to it. Random. It was like nice yeah. to have an extra motive, I guess, but it's yeah. really not necessary. And mm-hmm. then the her like escaping an arranged marriage just to go right. get married as a 17 year old anyway. I don't know. Yeah. I think that was a bit much. We didn't need to have him be the surprise fiance, but otherwise no. it was a good ending. It really was. Yeah. The whole, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I want to take it back because after listening to that, the ending of like Mark and Janelle, like arguing back mm-hmm. and forth and like turning on each other is really satisfying. <laughs> Especially because that's how you find out that they didn't know yes. about each other's plans. Yeah. They were not the like, criminal oh. masterminds they thought they were. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, so that's really good. So ultimately it is satisfying. It's just, yeah. I just wish that like we got into it a little bit, a little bit differently. But and that was a nice plot twist because the real plot mm-hmm. twist I thought was going to be like the Angela's Katarina the whole time. Like we could right. tell that was coming Obviously. from like 10 miles away. I think right. by chapter five, if you didn't pick up on that by already. The first like time we met her well, and Mrs. Argesia was yeah. like, I told you to stay in the kitchen. I'm like, okay. Yeah. This, this is Katarina. Yeah. <laughs> So you do see that. And so I, I was like, oh, man, now the, like, big plot twist is going to be spoiled for the end. But I did not see that coming where no. they didn't even know mm-hmm. what was what each other was up to. So that was – I liked that a lot. And it's always so funny when the bad guys are infighting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then they're so distracted. They don't even uh-huh. notice that the sheriff has already, like, right. arrived and cuffed they them. They like, heard the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, thanks for the confession, guys. <laughs> Really, really a genius plan to extract that confession. I mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We have to talk about Mr. Riker. Oh and my gosh. who the hell this guy thinks he is. <laughs> a terrible okay. husband and father. First of all, we get that he's this cattle rancher guy. We learn he's wealthy. Also an oil baron. I think that's literally what Nancy calls him. Right. Like I an think oil baron. And I'm like, what? Do, first of all, what does that even mean? What the hell is an oil baron? 
baron what are we in like the the 1600s what is a baron um <laughs> well, hold on oil tycoon and cattle baron cattle baron uh-huh. cattle baron yeah what does that mean oh <laughs> uh, whatever cattle i'm just gonna google search it cattle baron historic term right local businessman landowner who possessed great power and influence so we're just supposed to think he's rich out of that yeah, i guess whatever whatever but okay that's all whatever but also the fact that we learned yeah he met this girl in a nightclub like she's waitressing in a nightclub mm-hmm. gets married within like few weeks, weeks yeah of meeting each other and then, like, within a few months, like, the marriage has, like, spoiled. Like, mm. they're, like, no longer happy with each other. And he says that she's the worst mistake he's ever made in his life. It's like, yeah, dude, you met her and married after two weeks. What did you think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, you thought this was going to be, like, your, like, your Whirlwind soulmate romance. here? Yeah. Like, and it also seems like he really, like, blames her for this. And, like, okay, I know that at the end. We learned that this, they are con, like they're yeah. con artists. <laughs> She's supposed to be terrible. So to she him. was lying and she is terrible and she is after his money and everything. Yes, she is a bad person. I, I understand that. And I'm not trying to be victim blamey or anything, but I just don't know. How does someone convince you to get married in two weeks and it's not your fault? Yeah. <laughs> At least like, partially, right? Right. It, mm. But so that's, that's red flag number one. Red flag number two is the way that he talks to and... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Red flag number two is when he was talking about his wife, Isabel. How she was so much younger than him and just... We don't even know that at this point. We don't know how much younger she is until Mrs. Argejo tells us later. But when he's talking to Nancy and Nancy, like, asks him about her, he tells her, like, oh, she was beautiful and spirited like a wild horse and couldn't be saddle broken by love or will. That's what he says about her. Saddle broken. Mm -hmm. Because she's an animal that needs to be trained. Right. And then later when we learn that she's actually much younger than him, it's even more disturbing. Yeah. Like that free will needs to be broken. We need to wear her down until Uh she does whatever I say. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Nancy, he, like, is, like, the most horrible, like, employer. Like, she comes in and she's like, oh, no, I really think I should do this. He's like, no, you will be going on this tour of the ranch tomorrow. And then when Gene comes in and they do that thing about the rodeo, he's like, no, you do, you need, you have to go with Gene to the rodeo Mm -hmm. now. And she, and there are moments where, like, she is, discussing like the case with him and he's like you need to hurry up and solve this you need to figure this out like i hired you to do this so why are you doing it and he hadn't even spoken to her yet in no. a lot of these cases like it's just like my daughter's missing figure it out and she's like trying to ask him questions like about mm-hmm. the time like what was happening at the time and he's just like i don't see why you'd need to know that just figure it out he's the biggest tool like yeah. that i i think I, I feel like most of the time, and I don't know so much about the files, but in the mystery stories, at least, typically Nancy is investigating a mystery because she wants to help the person yeah. that, you know, she's working for. Uh, this guy does not deserve 
any help. And she certainly doesn't seem particularly warm towards him. But, like, is she getting paid? I hope so. very unclear. Because typically Nancy doesn't get paid, but it very much seems like he's hired her. Right. No, I, I think he has, definitely. Right. So Especially that's unusual. Especially if we have the cover of the ghostwriter thing. Right. That's unusual in and of itself. But then also, like, he's, like, this awful client that, like, she has to work for. It's wild. Well, and, I mean, you could definitely argue that, like, Katarina deserves that effort. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, you know, mm-hmm. she she's deserving of that help. But Nancy's not, it's not even about that for Nancy. It's not like, oh, I need to help this missing girl or figure out <laughs> well, what, what her fate was. It's all about his side of the thing, you know. I think there's a moment, like, just one moment right at the beginning where Nancy says that, like, this story or whatever had her, like, feel for Katarina. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Let's see. But her attitude is just like, help Mr. Rygert. It's right. not help Katerina, yeah. which is different. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, on page four it says, but the story of Katerina had touched Nancy because she too had lost her mother years before. She wondered what would have happened if she had lost her father as well and been brought up by strangers. She definitely had a deep personal interest in Katerina Rygert and felt compelled to accept the case. But, yeah, throughout she doesn't talk about her at all. Yeah. They're so, like, reflecting, like, oh, or, like, when she sees the ransom video, there's no, like, her heart squeezed in her chest as she saw the young girl tied to the chair. You know, like, there's none of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and she doesn't spend the rest of the book, like, wondering, like, oh, what was it like for you being brought up by your grandparents and then believing that your father has been dead all these years and everything? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's very weird. I want to talk about the grandparents as well and their yeah. ethical decisions. Of oh, like, yeah. Okay, so maybe you don't think that he's a fit father, which is maybe arguable if he was Seriously. <laughs> taking advantage of Isabel's of your daughter, yeah. youth and everything. Yeah, so maybe uh-huh. maybe they had some justification for behaving right. the way that they did and taking the baby and just raising her as their own which is mm-hmm. all fine and good but then to say like hey by the way your father's been dead all this time to make her believe right. that that was definitely wrong and then to turn around and like pawn her off as this object that they right. can trade for some like social status thing of let's give you to our best friend's son for merit like and she's 17 mm-hmm. 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 yeah yeah there's a lot of that like thinking about like her mother thinking about her thinking about nancy there's a lot of like women as cattle in in this this book like nancy have being forced to like go on dates like this girl being potentially forced to being married the literal description of isabel being like a wild Horse. horse that couldn't be broken like and then fleeing and then going back to her parents and then dying Mm-hmm. In a plane crash. I mean, like, like, yeah. And none of the none of those ideas are like challenged. Like, we're it's just like how it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, we're never we never think like, oh, it's really, it's really weird that he talks about women this way. Or mm-hmm. you know, like, why do I have to go on this date with Jean? Like, what is this about? There's there's none of that. There's no questions. There's nothing like that. It's just this is how it is. I just wish that as 
like Nancy throughout is having all these phone conversations with Ned. It would be a really great time for us to be able to reflect on that and even show some positive relationship dynamics between her and Ned being like, you know, I really don't appreciate the way Mr. Riker treats women. Yeah. Like me in particular. And I don't know, like hearing him talk about his dead wife was weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, like anything like that. And poor Katarina. Is she better off with the grandparents who she previously genuinely believed wanted the best for her, but are now trying to arrange this marriage for her, which is not a good, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not a good outcome for her at all. Or is she better off with the father who kind of just sees her as property, as this object? Right. Well, I mean, presumably she fell in love with Jean. And so she says the reason why she left one of the reasons she left Mexico was because she didn't like the guy that yeah. they had set her up with, right? And so presumably she likes Jean. But well, and that's all great, whatever. If right. the seventeen-year-old girl <laughs> thinks she's in love with the ranch hand, that's sure. one thing. But like, and and I know Mr. Rygert's not like trying to arrange that marriage. That's definitely right. not right, the right, case right. there. There's just the one arranged marriage with mm-hmm. the the grandparents' family friend or whatever. But yeah, it's just uh, she just doesn't have any good support system or anything because she leaves one really bad situation to go to like what's supposed to be her happily ever after ending and it's also really honestly not that good of a situation either Mm -hmm. because her father probably would not have been the best father had she actually grown up with him in my opinion i don't know yeah it's all very weirdly transactional yes it's so mm. Like she, like Katerina is being taken by her mother to leave. And that's considered very like, she's leaving, you know, that's my daughter, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she gets taken by the grandparents and then she flees and then is like, you know, it's very, it's very, yeah, it's very weird. Like property, like she's property. Oh, she definitely yeah. is. Yeah. And now she's on the, under the property of her father instead of her grandparents. So it's like nothing's really changed in that dynamic. Yeah. 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 And don't they like get his permission as well for, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's known that he's your father for all of two minutes. Two I don't seconds. see why he has a say in who you are. And now with. he's okay with you getting married. Yeah. He literally, last time he saw you, you were two years old. You meet him and you're like, hi, I'm Katarina. By the way, I'm in love with your foreman. He's like, great. <laughs> Well, it's my right as your father to approve that relationship, yes. so I'm okay with it. And you are 17, so that's Even the age I that you should be. Even though I have not spoken to you a day in your mm-hmm. life since you probably weren't really talking yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you left. I'm the one that should have that say. Right. I'm the one who should make that decision. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> not a, like, tell me about your life and everything. Like, where have you been all these years? It's a... Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, I can approve your marriage because I like the guy that you're dating. One other thing that I really want to talk about that I thought was really weird that we never, I don't think we ever, it's like mentioned very briefly in passing and then we don't talk about it again. But right when Nancy gets to the ranch and she's meeting everyone, she's meeting Janelle and then Jean like comes in uh, onto the porch, I think <gasps> where they are. And they dr- Oh, I know what you're going to say. They drop this so quickly. Never say it. Sorry, go on. Sorry. And Janelle, he has like a really weird reaction to Janelle. Mm-hmm. Like it's like very uncomfortable. And it's it's clear that like Janelle is making Jean uncomfortable yeah. somehow. 
He's like hitting um, on him, basically. Yes, and he so he quickly leaves. Mm-hmm. Like we only meet him briefly because Janelle. Let me see if I can find that scene. That was creepy. <laughs> so she says, "This is Jean Newsome." Mrs. Reigert says. So she introduces him. Uh, she smiled warmly at Jean and laid a hand on his arm. Jean is our foreman. We couldn't get along without him, could we, Jean? Nancy noticed that her voice had taken on a soft, almost purring sound that instantly made Jean uncomfortable. His Ugh. smile faded, and he took a step back, jamming his battered Stetson on his he- head. Good to meet you, Nancy, he said briefly, then stepping off the veranda. He was gone quickly. I'll also <laughs> say, maybe that was um, maybe that was just to make us suspicious. Like, of Janelle? She, this woman's been married less than a year. Why is she, oh, like, she's being hitting flirty on a with, cowboy? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't yeah. she be, like, happily married if it's been mm-hmm. that recent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good point. I'll also say that on the next page, she keeps talking after he's left. She's like, yeah. don't let Gene fool you with the cowboy look. He graduated from Texas A&M at the top of his class. He knows everything there is to know about cattle. So just as a side note, he's old enough to have graduated from college and is now engaged to a 17-year-old. <laughs> and I mean, so I know that like these, Lydia, we, we're obviously never told his actual age. Right. Um, well, I mean – Obviously, we know he's significantly younger than Mr. Rygert because he knew him when he was a baby. So right. he knew him all his life. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if the cover is any indication, which I know that we really can't use them as yeah. indications, <laughs> he looks like he he's at least in his 30s. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. To me, he looks like he could be 30. That's one of the biggest things for the files with me is all the inappropriate relationships of these older men paying attention. Specifically Nancy, Bess, and George, it's most of the time then. But then we also have these cases where we have another random character who is also about their age and is, you know, picked by the 25-year-old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So romantic. It's so weird. Ugh. I don't know. Is like, am I just particularly sensitive to this trope, or is it just like, like what? What is this normal to? Was this normal to people? I don't know why these past few books in particular. This has felt so much more heightened for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just more obvious. I don't know what's going on, but like, bleh, bleh. too much, <laughs> too much. Mm. yeah so that's one trope i could do away with right now mm-hmm. and be totally fine yeah yeah um anyway okay um okay i feel like we should talk about class a little bit yes yes <laughs> this man with half a million dollars is considered impoverished I'm I the thing that interests me the most about this book in relation to class is Katarina mm-hmm. and Katarina's character. Um and the whole she's posing as a housemaid. Yeah. And the most interesting part to me is when Nancy goes to like confront her about why she's been eavesdropping outside of Mr. Reigert's door or whatever. Once she pretends not to speak English, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. And I think such a, in that of itself, such an interesting class dynamic, right. like trying to be like, oh no, no, like, you know, I don't, I don't speak English. Like, I, you know, trying to really, to use the class dynamics mm-hmm. 
and her her own like ethnicity as a way to like to get out of, right. of like her consequences right so clever so good such skill such deafness by the character of Katarina right right and then also the fact that after that whole exchange when eventually she's like I don't need to tell you my business right to Nancy Nancy's like she didn't act like a housemaid she didn't right. act like how a housemaid would act mm. she wasn't like meek and soft-spoken like she was proud and all this stuff so like saying that like if you're rich and you were raised in like this wealthy household like you could never be considered someone who is lower class Mm -hmm. because it's just not in you you weren't raised to be that way right wild (laughs) what a wild thing to assert you know doesn't Nancy say something about the picture of Isabel of like her looking aristocratic? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thinks she does. Mm-hmm. Do they say anything about Angela's features or anything like that? I can't remember, but I thought Not it was about just her very interesting. features that I remember, but definitely the way that she like she looks Nancy in the eyes. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> like, oh not my be god. Meek. This is this is the symbol of someone being upper class. And I mean, I mean, the whole book in general is very interesting in that, like, the the bad guys, right, are these con artists who right. are essentially trying to steal a, like, this is really extrapolating, but by stealing the money, right, they're attempting to steal a higher class for themselves, right? Yeah, right. So they're considered, like, upstarts and, like, oh, my gosh, like, how gross money-grubbing con artists trying to, you know, steal the money from the nice wealthy people so that mm-hmm. they can be wealthy too. Right. Is And that's what we focus on. We focus on them as being the bad guys, even though Mr. Rygert is an awful person and got his money through oil, and cattle so and like actually isn't actually as rich as he purports no. himself to be we don't talk about that at all we're like oh poor mr Riger, his daughter and you know wife left and he has no money anymore poor mr poor rich man i mean and he it's... has half a million in cash <laughs> or dead before it was stolen so he's not not rich either if you have half a million in cash i'm sorry you're rich but yes. like <laughs> Especially in the 80s when that was a lot more than it is today, of course. Oh, so. so it's just so weird. It's I mean, it's I mean, it's not weird. This is typical, yeah. right? It's just it's you just have to think about it in context, right? Like this yeah. is not <laughs> these are not the ideals that like we should necessarily be holding and thinking mm. of, right? Like yes, it's bad to calm people out of money. Absolutely. But the fact that we have pity for uh, this man is, I don't think that's necessary, you know? Right. Um, The fact that, like, we can't look at a housemaid and see someone who may have grown up in money or look at someone who's grown up in money and see them, you know, differently, like, that's not, that's not good. That's not great. You know what I mean? Right. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) Um, I just Googled it, and half a million in 87 would it be about 1.3 million today, or about 1.4. So, okay. Yeah. That's quite a lot. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. So, it's very interesting uh, class dynamics going on in this book. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What else you got? I think, so the thing that I love the most about this book, and I love this with a lot of Nancy Drew books that we have covered, but I think this one lends itself particularly well to, is the fact that it is so... There's, it seems to me like there could be so much more going on under the surface. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning about how, why it would be well adapted because you could take it in so many different duration, different directions. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just reading it, I want to, it makes me think about like, oh, well, what's, you know, what's really going on? What are Mark and Janelle? What, what is Mark and Janelle's actual relationship? Right. Right. Are they together? Like, d- did did Janelle ever actually have anything with Jean? Maybe Jean's uncomfortable for more than just the fact that she mm. put his arm on it, right? Interesting. Um, like, is, like, what was the situation with Katerina with her grandparents and that guy? Like, yeah, I want to know more about that, that for sure. <laughs> what, they're just friends of her wealthy grandparents. What do her grandparents do? Why are they wealthy? Mm-hmm. You know, like what was the situation with Katerina and, or, or um, with Isabel and Mr. Riger, like back in the day, why did mm-hmm. she suddenly want to leave? What was the argument about? Mm-hmm. Like why? Like it's just, there's just so many questions still mm-hmm. that I feel like this book fuels that, is what made me so interested to read it. And I wish we could get more answers. There could be more juicy drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do like how the files are usually like little quick reads, but with this one, I wanted so much more when it was mm-hmm. over. I was like, oh, I just, I want to keep reading. There's still so much that I want to know more about. And I want more mm-hmm. of this book. And I think we could have done away with, like I said, the, the smuggling plot line. I feel like right. that was pretty extraneous, but we could have right. replaced that with any of the things that you just said and explored mm-hmm. those a little bit more. And it would Who be so is Joe good. Bob? Right. What's Joe Bob's deal? Why, why is, is he like why that? Why is he just a happy rodeo clown? And why is he always around when stuff's happening? Right. Is Joe Bob actually Joe Hardy in disguise? <laughs> <gasps> if only. If only. I mean, it would be such a Joe Hardy thing to dress up as a rodeo clown and go by the name Joe Bob. <laughs> You're so you know? right. Oh, that's so good. Oh. <laughs> I want more. I love this book. It was so good. I want more of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely very good. Okay. Do you have anything else, Corey? Nope, that's all I got for this one. How about you? So, no, that's it. That's it for me, too. Flashlight score? I'm going to give it a four and a half. Me, too. That's the exact score I would give, four and a half. Yeah. It's definitely a great one. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it has some things that I would have liked to have seen improved upon. But otherwise, all, all in all, it's a great one. Really weird. Certainly really weird bits and some plot things that I think could have been improved upon, yes. But overall... The drama, the juiciness of it is too good and too exciting and was too fun mm-hmm. to read and to think about to give it anything less than a four yes. and a half. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, just Shadow Ranch is one of my favorite yes. original mystery <laughs> stories anyway. So anything that kind of pulls from those vibes is going to rate highly for me anyway. Anything that takes place on a ranch and has horse in it. I'm yes. sold. Hot already. cowboys. Hot intrigue. cowboys. Con artists who don't communicate very well and end up like <laughs> outing themselves on accident. Excellent. I love the ending. It was 10 great. out of 10. Yeah. Well, 4.5 out of 5. But... Yes. <laughs> Good score. <laughs> okay. Do we want to tell them what we're covering next, Corey? Absolutely. 
well, regular Drews, it's the holidays. Um, and we're covering the files. So what else could we cover except for case file number 102, Counterfeit Christmas? <laughs> we love a good holiday book. We do. Um, I am very excited because Bess it features heavily in it. I'm just going to read the back of it really quickly so that you guys can get excited about it with me. Okay. Um, so when crime cashes in, Nancy finds that the money may be fake, but the danger is all too real. Ah! Bess has gotten a real surprise for Christmas. Two crisp new 20s that turn out to be fake. Her aunt, who works at River Heights Magazine, unwittingly passed them along. And Nancy's out to trace the funny money to its source. But there's one very big distraction. Suspect Stuart Teal. He has looks to die for mm. and clearly has designs on Nancy. <gasps> Stuart may want to corner the market on Nancy's affections, but she can't afford to take the chance, especially when another top suspect is found dead. Drawn into a world where greed rules and life isn't worth a plugged nickel, Nancy has no <laughs> I'm sorry. Life Good isn't worth what? <laughs> a plugged nickel. <laughs> Nancy has no choice but to keep her eye on the bottom line. She's searching for a counterfeiter who fits the bill of a murderer. First of all, who do they get to write the back of these books? And when can I give them all of my money? Because that is so good. That's so funny. Are you looking up Plug Nickel? I am. I, that's a real thing. I didn't know. Interesting. I've never heard that either. But that's so funny. First of all... Hot, hot Stuart Teal has designs on Nancy Bess counterfeiting. Bess's aunt mentioned on the back who works at River Heights Magazine. So exciting. A plug nickel was like one of the first forms of counterfeiting. So because coins in the 18th century were, you know, made of silver, people would like remove the valuable silver bits and replace them with like a cheaper metal. Oh, uh, plug? Because they're plugging in something else yeah, other exactly. than silver? Plug plug the center in to, like, oh. I guess the outer version of the coin so that you take the valuable bit. And then I guess I guess right. it's nickel. Is that the other metal? I don't know. That but, would make sense as to yeah. why it's called a nickel. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would plug it up with a less valuable metal. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you, Google. Well. Very punny. That, that was a yes. great little summary at the end there. I like it. <laughs> That's what we'll be covering next, and it will be coming out, I think, the week of Christmas. Um, it'll be coming out on the 22nd of December. 22nd. So right okay. Perfect. Yeah. So just in time for you to really get into the Christmas mood if you celebrate mm -hmm. Christmas. Yes. If not, hopefully just a happy holiday. It's a nice wintry history. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited. Really chuffed for that. Me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we'll see you then. See you then. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.